Give me 
give me Jesus. I love every weight we got a beautiful spring morning that he give to us this morning i imagine that's what it's going to be like the day that he comes in the eastern end of the sky amen are you looking forward to it let's just sing this as a love song to him this morning no music just you and the lord just communicating with him let him know how you feel about him this morning I love Him, I love Him, because He first loved me. Let's bring the music back now. I love him. I love him because 
just love him. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Let's just sing this old song, um, the message of his coming. That should be in the, uh, in the database. Amen. Are you looking for his coming this morning? Amen. Let's just enter in and worship here. We're looking for His coming in the clouds of heaven. Coming back to earth to catch away His own. Then may we all be ready when midnight cry is given. To go and reign with Christ on His throne. Oh, gladly may we herald the message of His blessed appearing. Soon He's coming in glory, tell to one and all. Then awake ye saints of the Lord by slumber when the end is nearing. But get ready for that final call. We're longing for the glory that awaits the faithful who shall overcome and every conflict win. Press every brave word onward, the prize is life eternal to all who win the fight over sin. Oh, gladly may we herald the message of His blessed appearing. Soon He's coming in glory, tell to one and all. Then awake ye saints of the Lord, while slumber when the end is nearing. But get ready for that final call. We're praying for the advent of our blessed Savior, who has promised life to all who trust His grace. He's coming now, is pending, the message being given. Soon we'll see our Lord face to face. Oh, gladly may we herald the message of His blessed appearing. Soon He's coming in glory, tell to one and all. Then awake, ye saints of the Lord, why slumber when the end is nearing. But get ready for that final call. We see the signs appearing of His blessed coming. Lo, behold, the fig leaves now becoming green. The gospel of His kingdom has gone to every nation that we are near the end can be seen. Oh, gladly may we herald the message of His blessed appearing. Soon He's coming in glory, tell to one and all. Then awake, you saints of the Lord, why slumber when the end is nearing. But get ready for that final call. Oh, gladly may we herald the message of His blessed appearing. Soon He's coming in glory, tell to one and all. Then awake, you 
saints of the Lord by slumber when the end is nearing. But get ready for that final call. Amen. From glory to glory, He's changing me, changing me, changing me. His likeness and image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world For He's changing, changing me From earthly things to the heavenly His likeness and image to perfect in me The love of God shown to the world From glory to glory He's changing Changing me, changing me, His likeness and image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world for each changing, changing me from earthly things to the heavenly. His likeness and image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. One more time. From glory to glory, He's changing me. Changing me. Changing me. His likeness and image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. For He's changing, changing me From earthly things to the heavenly His likeness and image to perfect in me The love of God shown to the world Amen. Aren't you glad He's changing you? Amen. That's how I know for a fact that God is real. And this message is real because I know who I was before I met him and before I heard the voice. Amen. I'm so thankful for him. Before we go on into the service here, let's just sing that little chorus, More of You. I've had it all but what I need is more of you. More of you. I've had my fear, but yet I hunger still, empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. One more time now. I've had it all, but what I 
starting to give her the headaches again and her next appointment is in May but she may have to go back before that to try and get some relief um, Brother Richard said that he is doing well but he's still having some problems with his lower back and hips and uh, he just asked that you continue to remember him in prayer he was thanking the Lord for uh, healing him of his uh, bronchitis issues he had finally been able to get rid of all of those so we're, we're thankful for that and uh, we know that God is still in the uh, healing business, and He's still on the throne. Also, we want to remember um, Brother Brian and Sister Carol Locke over in Scotland. Um, we want to uh, remember Brother Brian Yeski. Uh, he has had a heart attack, so we want to remember him in prayer. Also, we want to uh, continue to remember the um, Remember the family of the sister that we'd been praying for in Canada, Sister Laura Collins, her family. She did pass away this week, and she was uh, in her 30s, 38 years old. I think it was 37, somewhere in there. So let's continue to remember that family this morning. Um, I know there's uh, many needs among us this morning, unspoken requests. Amen. Brother Johnny, if you would come at this time and take these requests before the Lord. Father, and we believe it in our hearts, may each speck of faith that you've given us, Lord, be put into action today, Lord, for these needs, for those that are suffering in health and those that have lost someone, Lord. May you, your angels, Lord, visit them, comfort them, raise their faith, Lord. You are our hope, Lord. Life with you, Father, is all that we aspire to. May you bless the service today in the ministry, Lord. May it touch our hearts and help us to live a better life for you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all things you've given us this day in this congregation, Lord. It's our real family, Father. We love you and thank you, God. May you bless it. Grant each request, Lord. 
Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Brother Johnny. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Uh, Sister Kristen and uh, Annie has a couple songs for us this morning. If they would come to the platform and, and get ready to sing. And while they're coming up, just want to welcome each and every one of you to the house of the Lord this morning. I want to welcome all of our visitors. Uh, it's good to have you here. It's good to have Sister April with us this morning. It's good to see her and everyone that's here. Uh, just uh, all excited because today's the first day of spring. That's always a, a great day. I'm looking forward to when my body gets its spring day. Still feels like it's in the fall sometimes, but uh, looking forward to that. To that. God bless you, sister. Jesus loves a little tree, a tree.
In spite of the good intentions I've had, sometimes my strength can fail. And though I have tried the very best that I could, my weaknesses prevail. Then I remember the promise he made That in my weakness he is strong And that's when I know Whatever may come His steady hand will lead me on And oh we have we're going to make it no matter how hard it gets we're still going to make it let's all stand we'll have the ushers come at this time we'll receive our morning tithe and offer brother mike if you would bless the offer Amen. As Brother Barry comes this morning, let's just sing that song, Have Your Way. Amen. Looking forward to hearing what he's got for us this morning. Certainly glad to have him back. Have your way. Have your way. And have your way. 
Thank you for this opportunity we have to be gathered in your house with your people. Lord, may our hearts all be joined together, Lord, in a moment of praise today. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. We think about, Lord, where we would be if it had not been for your grace and mercy. And so today, Lord, we celebrate the fact that you are alive and you're real. And Lord, you have led your bride to where we are today. And we are thankful, Lord, that we are in your hands and under your control and led by the Spirit of God in the last day. Have your way, Lord, we pray among us today. And Lord, just uh, may you just enrich every heart. May, may this place, Lord, be uh, alive with your presence today. And Father, may your Holy Spirit move on the scene. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who are mourning today. Lord, we pray for those who are in great need. We are so grateful we have a resource, a place that we can turn to. We'll give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels. On hold. Let's sing it again. Let's just close our eyes and lift our hands. Just worship Him this morning. Oh, we are stand. Remember now whose presence you're in. On holy ground. And I know that you, there are angels.
let us praise Jesus. And we are standing in His presence on holy ground. Praise the Lord. If you bring up our PowerPoint here uh, right away, we're going to look in the scripture. So if you don't mind taking your Bible with me uh, this morning, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 10. God bless you all. Certainly good to be in the house of the Lord today. Joshua chapter 10. And we'll take a reading this morning, and then we'll let you take your seats. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Verse 6, And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thine hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly, and save us, and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. And Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, that's a, that's a tough situation. They're all surrounded, and they're all besieged by the enemy. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. And Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly, and went up from Gilgal all night, And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth to Beth Horon, and smote them to Azekah, and unto Makedah. And may God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Well, we welcome all of you today. It's certainly uh, good to be here. uh, It is... uh, uh, Something that I'm thankful for, and uh, it's been a long week. Been a lot of things happened this week. Feels like it's been about two months since I've been here. That's literally how it feels like. I preached five times since Sunday, and uh, or including Sunday, Sunday to Sunday, and uh, uh, been a very busy week and covered a lot of ground. Uh, myself and my uh, faithful assistant back there, Brother Jeremy, and we had uh, we we certainly saw a lot of things. Uh, got home last night and got in the bed right at around 2.45 a.m. Uh, and uh, so got up this morning, had three hours, which I appreciated, and uh, came down this morning uh, at around uh, 7.30 or so we came down for service. And so I'm glad to be here, glad to be back. We had a, um, a delay yesterday. There was some sort of a big delay that happened in the country. Something happened to a, one of the pilots, and that, that had a domino effect on all of these uh, flights that were going. And then there was a big thunderstorm in New York City, which held our crew on the ground that was supposed to fly our plane there, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, that was, uh, that was an issue that we had to deal with uh, yesterday. But thankfully, I'm here. And so um, if anyone has a right to go to sleep in service today, it's me, not you. It's me. Uh, just a couple of quick things, and then I want to jump into this this morning. And I, I realize that a lot of people are waiting for a report uh, on on Ukraine, and I'm going to share a little with you this morning. I'm going to do it towards the end of the service uh, because I don't want to become known as the uh, the CNN of the message here that you know gives all the news. Uh, 
not at all. And so I want to do just a little study, an introduction of something, and then I'll give you a little uh, detail in, in, uh, towards the end of the service here today. Um, let me just do a couple of quick things here. May 14th is Sister Connie Hughes' uh, birthday. I don't know whether they're here. They're here. They are here tonight. Sister Connie, God bless you. Brother David had his birthday on May 15th. Uh, Samuel Brown had his birthday. How old were you, Samuel, on your birthday? Seven? Really? Wonderful. March 19th was Haley Coffey's birthday. Sister, would you like to stand up and give a little... No, okay. March 20th, Aaron Nengamaza. Today is Brother Aaron's birthday. I don't know if they're here today uh, or not. We certainly do miss uh, Brother Aaron if he's not here uh, this morning. And then uh, also uh, Ben and Rachel Pritchard have an anniversary coming up on the 26th, right? How many years? 17 years. God bless you both. We appreciate you both. And then the Hughes have an anniversary as well. How many years? 56? Hey, after 50, you're allowed to, you're allowed to waffle, you know, that's all right. Uh, that's a milestone, uh, Brother Troy and Sister Connie. And we really appreciate you both and may God bless you. Uh, that's, that's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, we've been asked to remember uh, Erica Reagan, Brother Donnie's daughter. He texted me this morning and asked us if we would remember she's doing a third treatment this week, and uh, we certainly want to hold her up in prayer. Uh, also, I, I didn't mention to Brother Keith that the drums are not here today, and we're glad to have Brother Frejo uh, with us from Arizona. God bless you. From Arizona? V- where? Oh, really? God bless you. Good to have you today. And uh, also, uh, Brother Keith mentioned Sister Laura Collins had passed away, and uh, we we're remembering Sister Rebecca and all of the family and relatives up there uh, in Edmonton. We are glad to, today as well to have Sister April uh, with us. Uh, Sister April is um, uh, going to be leaving and going over to Ukraine to do some service with uh, Samaritan's Purse. And be around the middle of April. That's about all we'll tell you there. And we're not going to tell you where. Uh, because uh, their, their situation is very fluid over there. If you're inside Ukraine, most people who are over there are moving to avoid trouble and problems and everything else. And it's a very, uh, very fluid situation. But uh, to be able to go, having been over there last week, Sister April, I'll tell you that uh, I'd go back. I actually tried to make arrangements to cross into Ukraine this week. I didn't tell my wife. Uh, no one in their right mind would tell their wife that kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> but I pressed, actually, to try to get in because I've been in so many times in the past. <clears throat> and uh, I know exactly what I'd be in for. But it was the issue of getting out. That was the problem. That's the only reason that I didn't go in. So we sent things in there, uh, which I'll, sh- I'll tell you a little bit about later on. But uh, I-, I did try to get in there because... Uh, I wanted to go see the brothers who were who were over there and uh, try to do whatever we could uh, to be there. But I will um, we'll share a little bit of this with you. And as I said, we have uh, we have some uh, other information that's coming. And Brother Jeremy was with me. And as a result of that, we had a lot of really good footage. We have interviews with four of the uh, sisters who were there, the refugees. And so uh, we are uh, going to edit that. We're going to have it professionally edited and then come up with a little, uh, maybe a 30 or 40 minute uh, piece that we can, you know, 
show you and you can have and, and people can, uh, can watch and it'll give you, uh, an update on, um, you know, on the, on the trip itself. So that'll be coming. All right. Uh, <clears throat> that'll be, uh, Lord willing, we'll get it out. We're working on it already and Lord willing, we'll get it out uh, as quickly as we possibly can. All right. Don't bother reading the screen for a moment here. Although most of you have because you're going like this over here. So I want to, I want to take a very little, uh, a little bit of time here this morning and, and uh, introduce a little concept of faith that uh, was really made real to me this week. And you're going to, you're going to probably think, my goodness, Brother Barry, is this the first time you realized, uh, this principle of faith? And, and, um, I would have to say this, that, uh, many times we make faith a complicated thing. We make it uh, almost a mysterious thing. And faith is really not. Faith is something that's really simple. It's something that uh, is within reach of every man. Just like uh, you remember in the first Exodus when they took hyssop and they applied the blood to the doorposts of their house. And hyssop was a common weed that grew everywhere. And that, that was a type or an indicator that, uh, you know, the application of the word by faith is not an extraordinary thing. It's not something that's, you have to go far to get hyssop. It's, it's within reach of everybody, and faith is within reach of all of us. And so uh, we talk a lot about faith uh, in our ministries and talking about, you know, teaching the churches and so forth. But I, I just want to share a little bit with you, and maybe we'll build on this as we go along. But... Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I want you to take a look, if you don't mind, at this little passage of Scripture here, just as a bit of a context first. And that is that Joshua, when he, uh, when he was surrounded and had the difficulties that he did, all of the people of war with him and the men of valor, they accompanied Joshua. And as he was moving towards this battlefield, as he was coming to this place of pressure upon God's people... The Lord spoke to him and gave him a promise. God gave him something real and said, Fear them not, I have already delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. And if you were in Joshua's shoes, he already was on his way. He had already, the Bible says in the preceding chapter, uh, that he took all the men of war and all the men of valor and gathered them all together. They were going to go fight. But as he was on his way, God spoke to him and gave him this promise and said, uh, Joshua, I just want you to know before you get to the battlefield itself that I already know the outcome. I've determined the outcome of this struggle here, and I've already delivered them into thine hand. And you don't need to worry because not a man of uh, your group is going, to be, uh, is going to fall. These folks won't be able to stand before thee. And so I, as I was reading this on the, on the airplane and I was uh, thinking about service today, I was thinking about this word stand and, and what it meant. Because every one of us want to make the right stand and we want to be found standing in our position. We want to be stand, found standing in a good place uh, when this all ends. And I believe we're living in a time where uh, I feel more confident in saying we're looking the end in the face probably more realistically than we ever have. I have no idea. I'm not an expert, and I have no idea on how long our future will be here on the earth. Uh, but the more I study events and see things happening in the world, I think it is an, uh, certainly uh, something that is, uh, it is close, and uh, probably it may be even a little closer than what we, uh, what we factor. 
uh, in our own way. And I, I don't believe that a whole lot would have to happen in order for God to shut it down. Uh, and we, we can talk more about those specific things a little bit later on. But the Bible says then that Joshua proceeded uh, in this battle quickly, suddenly. He, he, went, he went against them. You've got to remember now, he's, he's already commissioned to take the land. He's already got that. He's got a commission. But now he has a promise, right? He has a promise that, uh, Joshua, Joshua, the battle is going to be yours. And, and not a man will be able to stand against you in this struggle. So, uh, therefore, go confidently. And, and God didn't have to tell him this. You can imagine if you were Joshua or you were in Joshua's army, you would feel like, wow, this is already a done deal. Let's go. Let's just wrap this up. Let's just do it. Let's just put our hands on this on this uh, battle and uh, we'll get it done because uh, God's already gone ahead of us. And if you know God's already gone ahead and the battle's already won, it uh, t- kind of takes the fear out of it, doesn't it? Are you with me this morning? So uh, I-, I wanted to just uh, tell you that, as-, as you know, and we've talked about before, faith is different than hope. Uh, faith is different than a want. Faith is different than a desire. Faith is different than an expectation. Faith is different than everything because it is a reality of something that you know is going to come to pass. So a good example of this would be like Joshua proceeding into the battle with that confidence because he knows he's got a promise and a commission and God's told him how this is going to come out. So he can go very confidently, right? And he's got faith that God's going to fulfill and do everything that God uh, said about this battle. I mean, uh, how better to go into battle than this way? Uh, I was in, uh, when we, when we landed in, uh, Krakow this, this time, uh, I, I had forgot, I had, didn't forget, but I, I kind of misplaced airports, but I had been to Krakow before and, uh, had traveled around a little bit in the city, but when we came this time, uh, Brother Yatsik was there to meet us and he said, uh, listen, uh, he said many times when people come, uh, they like to go by the Schindler Museum and, uh, uh, he said, if you'd like to take some time, about an hour or so, we could go through the museum and, and uh, see it there. And I said, you mean, you mean Schindler like Schindler's List? And he said, yes, that's the guy. And uh, he said, they have taken his factory uh, and they turned it into a really good museum. And I'm like, whoa, I know a lot of people in my church who would like to be here right now at this moment. And a lot of believers would be interested in that. So we said, sure, and we went there. We had good, real good coffee before we uh, went there, and that was, uh, that was nice. And we went inside the, the museum there. And they have uh, the factory exactly as it was. And it's just a little, uh, you know, non-distinctive little factory that was stuck in the middle of old Krakow. And for those of you that know the story and know the story of Schindler, he certainly was not a righteous fellow. He was not a religious fellow. He was not a practicing fellow of religion of any kind. Matter of fact, they said he was dark and shady. That's the way they described him uh, in the museum, the people who, were, who had done the displays there. Uh, but he, he did a very righteous thing because he could not figure out why all of these people had to die because, just simply because they were Jews. And he had a little factory and made pots and pans. And these were, these were uh, being made for the war effort. And so Schindler, uh, you know, made a list of all of his workers. And he kept all of those workers. There was over a thousand. And uh, he kept all of them in his, uh, in his employ over times when they were trying to get those Jews off the concentration camps. And on our way from uh, Schindler's museum, we've actually passed Auschwitz and, and Birkenau there. Uh, it, it was, this is the area where all of that stuff happened. 
And uh, when we were when we were there, it was just absolutely amazing how that uh, you know they had they had the list. They had his actual list there, and they had his office. And in the office, they had a big display of the pots and pans that they made. And uh, he kept all of those people alive just because he didn't see why they had to die. And uh, they even planted a tree in Jerusalem, in Yad Vashem, at the memorial over there, uh, for Schindler, in the Avenue of the Righteous. He's the only unrighteous person in the Avenue of the Righteous. And, uh, but you can go see his tree uh, in, in Yad Vashem. And so, uh, with, with Schindler, uh, they, uh, you know, they, they told all of his story, and they told, they had recordings of people who were on the list, who gave their story about uh, dealing with Schindler and, and how they stayed alive when all of their family and friends, many of them were taken off uh, to the death camps. And so they had the recordings, and you could listen to them, and the stories they told, and the stories of the children uh, who were survivors of those people on the list. And they had, they had the list, and they had it uh, put on the walls in many different uh, ways. It was really interesting to be there uh, if, if you... Um, uh, if you know anything about that whole part of the Second World War. And uh, as, as we were coming through, they did a really good job, and this is what I wanted to say, they did a really good job of giving you the background of, of the whole thing about Schindler and, and uh, his factory. They, they talked about the conditions that existed back then, and they, they talked about the, uh, you know, the, what, what things were like in society, and what things were like in Europe, and what things were like in Poland, and all, all the other uh, background events that took place. And they had recordings and statements and pictures that were really interesting I'd never seen before. And on the wall, they had this statement there, and I, I photographed it, and it just simply says, we are firmly on guard here, and we have made all preparations to be able to repel the Soviet attack with all of our might. The Russians will never get Krakow. And uh, this, uh, this you know, could be, you could easily place it in the uh, context of the current struggle today with, uh, with the Ukrainians, how they're very determined. As a matter of fact, in the interviews you'll hear, I asked one of the sisters I, uh, that, uh, do you think that Ukraine will fall to the Russians? And she said, no, absolutely not. Ukraine will fight and uh, it, will not be, it will not become a Russian place. And so they're very determined and they're very, uh, they're very adamant that, uh, you know, Ukraine will stand. But the people back here in December 21st, 1944, they had the same determination. They had the same desire that Poland would always remain free. And in the, in the season of 1944, 1945, Poland was actually attacked by Germany and was attacked by Russia at the same time. And eventually the Russians took over, and eventually, you know, the Russians took over East Europe. And uh, it became quite a different place under Soviet dominion. But that was not their determination. That in the people of Poland, uh, they, they assembled themselves, they were determined, they were adamant that Russia will never, uh, they will never take us over. They will never win this fight. We are prepared. We've made all the preparations we need, and uh, we've got this. Uh, this attack is going to be repelled. The Soviets will never do it. They'll never get Krakow. And as determined as they were, and as uh, adamant as they were, and as, uh, you know, gallant as they were in the resistance against the, uh, against the Soviet army, the Soviets took over. And I only bring that to let you know that uh, when it comes to this subject of faith, there is an element of determination or endurance uh, that goes with this idea of faith. When somebody has faith, they're willing to endure whatever they need to endure in order for God to fulfill whatever God has promised. Let me say that again. 
that whenever we exercise faith, there's an equality of endurance about that that will keep a person focused on the, on the thing that God has promised. And I think that's a really important thing for us to remember that when it comes to uh, faith, we may have all kinds of, uh, you know, inwardly we might have all kinds of uh, declarations. We might have, you know, all kinds of determination in our heart. We're going to make it. We're not going to be left behind. Me and my family, we're going to go. Uh, you know, I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in a rapture. I'm going to be in a wedding supper. If I asked for a show of hands, probably every one of you would put your hand up because why wouldn't you? Right? Everyone wants to believe that they're there. But just pure determination is not a determinant of whether you're going to be there. Just perseverance is not enough uh, to really make sure that you're going to be there. And I think determination is a great thing, and I think perseverance is a good thing, and I think hope is a great thing, and I think expectation is a great thing. And we have to have all of those things in order to, uh, to pursue in the, in, the, in the time that we live in, because we know in coming to the end of this thing, there is no other era coming after the departure of the bride. Right? There's not another Gentile age. There's not another Gentile dispensation. There's not another time allotment given to the, to the uh, Gentiles after the bride leaves. Once the bride leaves, that's it, friend, it's over. And so therefore it has to be more than just a determination. Uh, even though their words are, are penned in concrete here, it has to be more of a determination than that in order for us to be sure that we are actually uh, going to make it over on the other side. Now, let me, uh, let me give you the contrast to this. In Joshua chapter 7, uh, when, when the Jewish people, or so when Joshua and, and his people went after Ai, uh, they had a different experience. And most of you know the story. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, and wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it among their own stuff. So when they went against Ai, you remember the story, uh, there were several people died, they were chased off the battlefield, they lost in disgrace, and because people died, Joshua falls on his face and he realizes, okay, uh, this is not the way the people of God should operate. We should not be a people who are humbled in defeat this way. And so he did the only thing that a leader like Joshua would do, and that is get on his face before God and ask God what the problem was. And when the Lord speaks to Joshua, he says, hey, the problem is not external. The problem is internal. Hey, are you with me this morning? If you need water, we have it. The problem was not external. In other words, the army was not too great against Israel. AI was not a... Uh, AI was not Moscow. AI was just a little stop on the pathway uh, into the promised land. It was not a fierce place, and it was not a great army there. But yet Israel lost, and they lost men. There was people who died there. And so therefore, uh, God comes and gives Joshua the key of what the problem is here, and he simply says, hey, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. There's a problem in the camp. And they have, somebody in the camp has taken the accursed thing. And he doesn't tell Joshua right here who it is, but later he reveals who it is. And they have stolen and disassembled and they have taken it as their own and it was not their own. And they have disobeyed directly my commandment. Because they were told before they went in there, you're going to see stuff and leave the stuff alone. 
I'll take care of supplying for you, but uh, you just leave that alone. And they directly disobeyed God's word. And as a result of that, the Bible says in verse 12, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand. So in the next chapter, chapter 8, which I just read, the enemy could not stand against Israel when they did things right. But when they did things wrong internally, then they could not stand against their enemies. But they turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Wow, that's, that's, uh, uh, that, that's quite an ultimatum that God gives you. You will continue to fall. You will continue to fail. You will continue to lose men in this struggle uh, unless you get that accursed thing out. And, and he says, I won't be with you. Imagine, uh, imagine if God made that declaration to you. Unless you get this right in your life, I'm not going to be with you. Wow. I mean, that would be a scary thing. Today is not a day for you not to have the Lord standing with you. Today is not a day for you not to have uh, the presence of God in your life and helping you to stand against your enemies because I believe we're going to have greater enemies than what we have now uh, coming up the road. And he says, So therefore up and sanctify the people and sanctify yourselves tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord, There is an accursed thing in the midst of you, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away that cursed thing. We've got to deal with this first, and then and only then can we move along. Take your Bible, if you will. I don't have it on my screen here. But take your Bible, if you will, and let's go to James chapter 3. And I'd like to read a little passage for you then. I need you to understand that the the mind, as we talk about, and this is just a little example I want to give you here, but the mind, as, as we understand it, is, uh, was given to Satan as a, a place for him to do battle. But I also want you to know that because that is true, God has not given up on your mind. I believe a transformed mind is something that God's very interested in producing in you and using in you. Because according to Romans chapter 12, uh, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Isn't that right? So God's very interested in, in getting control of your mind. He's very interested in getting, uh, getting into there and making it a channel that he can use so that you can think right. Because that's where we think, right? We think in our heart and we think in our mind. A Christian thinks in their heart and they think in their mind. Isn't that true? And so therefore, God's interested in transforming your mind, uh, not to leave it as a devil's playground. And you shouldn't think, well, I can think what I want. I can lust whatever way I want. I can imagine whatever I want uh, because that's the devil's playground. You shouldn't think that way. Because I will tell you that God's very interested in, in transforming your mind because in your mind are many, many choices are made and many decisions are made and your understanding and your judgment comes out of many things you think about. Right? That's, that's common sense. And I will tell you that, uh, you know, faith comes by hearing. Faith is not an intelligent thing. It's not based on your intelligence and how smart you are in your mind. Because the Bible says that, uh, you know, we, uh, for Romans chapter 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we believe with our, we believe with our heart and we believe unto righteousness. But, uh, your, your mind is not, uh, your intellect is not where faith is produced. In other words, you don't have to sit there and try to figure out everything and try to get it all understood in your mind and then you'll have faith. That's not how it happens. Faith comes by hearing. So you're going to be in the right place to hear the right thing in order to have the right faith so that you're ready at the right time to go where God wants you to go. All right? That's how it happens. And so therefore, uh, I believe that with all my heart, that surrendered, 
yielded people come to right conclusions and right understandings and they make right expressions and they're willing to make right reconciliations. People who are willing to surrender, they are surrendered people, they are gentle people and they yield themselves uh, to God and they yield themselves to the work of the Holy Spirit they will make, they will come up with right conclusions and they will come up with right understanding of things and, uh, they will, they will be able to utilize the wisdom that God wants to give every believer. And a lot of that happens through a renewed mind. Look in, uh, James chapter three, if you will, in verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Now I like the way that James puts this in here because, uh, again now, this is just an example here. Of, of uh, utilizing our faith, but uh, Satan is, is so, uh, he's so adamant about messing up how you think that he actually creates another kind of wisdom that is not from heaven at all. It's an earthly wisdom. It's an earthly view of things. It's an earthly knowledge of things. And out of that, if we remain in that kind of a, uh, a setting or remain in that kind of a mindset, we'll make decisions that really are earthly. And are, they're, they're really going to be disadvantageous to you. They're going to be hurtful to other people. Because there are times when you feel like, well, I've been hurt, so I have a right to punish someone uh, because they hurt me. And it might be logical. That might be a normal way for a person to think. And, uh, you know, I, I might have grounds to do that. I believe this. You have grounds to pursue righteousness. You have the grounds. You have the right to pursue truth. You have the right to do things that the scripture clearly tells us to do. But when we cross the line and we feel like we have a right to punish someone for what they've done to me, you've crossed the line outside of the Bible. And this is a very, this is a very tricky thing. So let me, let me just read in James chapter three. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness. You, you'll never find wisdom in the scripture described without that companion thought of meekness because you don't want to have wisdom without meekness if you have wisdom alone it'll be simply a smart aleck and you don't want to be a smart aleck towards god or in the things of god we want to approach the things of god and we want to approach the people of god with wisdom but also with meekness as well and when you take meekness out of it and you're aggressive and you're, you're intending to hurt and all the other things that are there, uh, that are there logically, let me tell you, you've moved outside of the Bible and God will not honor that. All right? So James goes on to say that, uh, he says it'll, this will come out of a good conversation, uh, his works of, with, with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts. Hey, these words are really worth studying. We don't have time this morning. But this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So here's another kind of wisdom that will look logical and look almost appropriate, but it doesn't come from God. And this is Satan's tactic here, is to try to displace the wisdom of God with a wisdom that looks this way. It, it, will, uh, it will reason everything. For f- Verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But here's the difference. The wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle. And it's easy to be entreated. And it's full of mercy. The wisdom that comes from God is full of mercy. 
It is characterized by mercy. It is practiced in mercy. And it'll have good fruits. Easy to be entreated means that somebody does not have a fear to come to you to talk about things that are even sensitive. They're easy to approach. They're easy to dialogue with. And and it'll bring forth good fruits. It'll be without partiality. And it'll be without faking. It's not a, oh, God bless your brother to your face and then put a dagger in your back when you turn around. It's not that. It is a real honest exchange between people and a willingness with gentleness, a willingness with gentleness to resolve things that need to be resolved. Because you can actually be affected by bitterness without having a root of bitterness. Because you can be in contact with somebody who's got a root of bitterness and you can be affected by that atmosphere of bitterness. Come on, folks. Because that atmosphere is a powerful thing. That spirit is a powerful thing. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in what? Bible verses? No. It is sown in peace of them that make peace. I would rather be known as a peacemaker than a peace stealer. So therefore, therefore, there are times when we want God to do something. Listen to me for a moment. There are times when we pray and ask God to do something in the, in the sense of an invader. Lord, somebody has done something to me or something's happened to me. I want you to come on the scene and do this. In other words, we want God to be an invader. We want God to come and just uh, come down over this scene and just destroy the enemy and let us march on in victory. That's sometimes how we, uh, that's sometimes how we think about God solving our problems. But I'm here to tell you that I believe that when a person uh, by faith takes the word of God, he can actually become a broker. And the answers, instead of coming directly from heaven in a bolt of fire to destroy your enemies, the answers sometimes can come through a renewed mind to help you in your daily life and the struggles you go through. Because I will tell you that faith produces understanding. I'm going to ask you to look at one more Bible verse. Hebrews chapter 11, if you will. Hebrews chapter 11, just for a phrase. In Paul's definition of what faith actually is, he says, through faith, Hebrews 11, 3, through faith, we what? We understand. Understanding comes through faith. God gives us wisdom so that we can understand the right, uh, we can understand the right way. And we can be thinking the right way through faith. We, hey, we believe that God's in control. We believe that God's got answers. We believe that. But Lord, I don't want you, uh, uh, it, it is not always going to happen that you're going to sovereignly change things. Sometimes what you really want to do is work through my renewed mind so that I'm a part of the solution as well. And in order to do that, in order to do that, there are times when we need to humble ourselves and surrender ourselves to the will of God because God very often will work through us. Do you believe that? Yes. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm just introducing a few things to you here this morning because I've been thinking about this whole idea of faith. Now, I want you to, I want you to just to follow me here just a little bit because Brother Bram said that faith always have, has to have a rest, resting place. And we know that faith has to rest upon the word of God. 
uh, I've quoted that and said that, and Brother, we've got lots of statements where Brother Branham uh, made that statement, that your faith has to have a resting place, has to have an anchor. Uh, it's not just you having a faith in one thing and someone having a faith in another thing. That's, that's not the way that God intended it. God intends that you have the right faith, and faith comes by hearing, so you're hearing the right thing, but it's got to be tied to something. It's got to be anchored to something. And I believe that right faith is tied to the promises of God. Now listen to what he says. God help us to take the wings of the eagle and fly away to every divine promise that God gave in the Bible. That's the reason that that insane epileptic boy tonight is perfectly whole because his faith was set in the wings. And God packed him from sickness to health. And that's the reason that lovely woman that sits here was an alcoholic, narcotic user, and a dope fiend. And it wasn't because they went to AA and took shots, but they just set their wings of faith in the promise of God. Here's Brother Branham teaching us how that we should react to the, the problems that we face in life. He said we should spread our wings. He said spread our wings of faith in the promise of God. We thank God for how the answers come. And the answers come in many different ways. But we, we are setting our sights on the, the promise of God. We're setting our faith on the promise of God. And said, God, you promised it, and the promise is mine. And here they are tonight in their right mental condition, healthy and strong, and the dope and the whiskey is still laying in the gutter. They're, they're well because their faith was anchored in the right thing. It was anchored in the promise of God. So when we come to God for something, and we have, we have faith in his word and his ability to heal, remember, it's on the basis of his promise, right? And it's right for us to believe that because that's the commission that he gave to us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and pray for the sick. And I mean, that's what he told us to do, right? And get a hold of the, get your eye on the promise of God. Because just like Joshua going in the battle there, God tells him, hey, this battle is already won. This battle, the outcome of this battle is not in question. This battle is already won. Don't worry about it. Press on. Just walk on. And when you know those kinds of things, you can press on with confidence. And that's exactly what Brother Bram's telling us to do here. Thousands of years later, here's a person bound by alcohol or bound by epilepsy. And, uh, you know, they're facing a condition they cannot change themselves. They get their eyes on the promise, set their wings to that, and watch what God does. That's simply what he's telling us. In Melchizedek, the great prince and king, Brother Branham says, and so after he had patiently endured, and this was Moses he's talking about, he obtained the promise, and enduring as seeing the invisible God, though he were visible, standing before him. And after he had endured the hard fight, he inherited the promise. He said, isn't that strange? It looks like God could have just reached down and gave him the promise right then and done the work right then. He could have done it. God could have done it all. Just snapped his fingers and had everything for Moses already done and uh, laying before him. And he just had to walk in and proclaim that these are, you know, uh, these are our people and we're going to go, you know, to the promised land and all the rest of it. He said God could have done that. But but what he wanted Moses to do was to keep his eye on that promise and pursue it by faith and and believe that God was going to fulfill that promise because it was a promise of God. And as an example to us, he said, Hannah, when she was at the temple, she was praying. And he said, Lord, grant unto us thy request. And uh, this is uh, Hannah's husband. And now God could have placed little Samuel right in Hannah's arms. All of us know that. He's a creator of all things. And he just speaks into existence. And he could have put her right in Hannah's arms. 
But instead of doing that, it was the regular procedure of nine months before the little baby came along, and he could have done it instantly, and he didn't do it instantly, but he didn't do it instantly. He just gave her the promise, and she inherited the promise. I hope you're getting the point that God does not always click his finger and do everything for us, but rather he gives us a promise. And he wants to know what you're going to do with that. And I'm telling you this morning, very simply, you get your eyes on the promise, and by faith pursue it, and you watch what God does. It'll change the way you look at faith. It'll change the way you look at faith. And I will tell you, this week, I listened to those sisters over there in Ukraine talk about their experience, and this was their message to me. I went there with the intent to encourage them, to interview them, and to give them stuff, and to give them money, and to give them, uh, you know, encouragement that all the people in the world were believing for them. Let me tell you, I came away with my faith increased just listening to their stories, just being in their presence. And, uh, you know, they, at the end of the day, the bottom line, what have you got, what's the last thing you want to say? And they said, just believe God in all your circumstances. They were telling me that, believe God, in all your circumstances. It wasn't really as bad as well, other people had it. You know what? We made it through, and it was just God's grace. They said, just keep your eyes on God. Stay strong in your faith. And I, I mean, it was just amazing how they were saying that. They were not complaining. That, well, we left our farms behind. We left our schools behind. We left our furniture behind. We left all of our mementos behind. Not at all. They were just saying, hey, just have faith in God. No matter what your circumstance is, just press on. God's going to look after you. And you'll hear some of that in the, in the testimonies that, uh, that come. Now, um, I, I, we'll just drop this in for a moment here and just say that in, in the book of Exodus, when God was dealing with Israel and taking them out, he made the promise. He said, I'll sever in that day the land of Goshen. And that word sever in the Hebrew, it means I'll, I'll distinctly uh, possess that little piece. I'll mark it out. And I'll carve it out. It'll be distinguished. It'll be something that is uh, distinctly mine. And I'll, I'll carve that out. And, and that'll, be, that'll be a land for the children of Israel. And no swarms of flies will be there. In other words, the plagues will not cross over into there. You'll not be treated there like the rest of the world is going to be treated. All of Egypt experienced things. They're not going to experience the same things in Goshen. And that's God's grace, isn't it, that would allow that to happen. Because God had a feeling, God had a heart for his people, and God wanted his people, uh, you know, to have that peace about them. And, of course, until the last plague, and when the blood had to be applied, and, and then uh, it had to be applied all across the land because the death angel was going to come. But he said, I'm going to make Goshen a distinct place. It's going to be a different place. I think, saints of God, I really believe that, uh, just for instance, like as a parallel, I think our church should be a different place than any place you go during the week. It, it's different than your workplace. It's different than your home even. Uh, it's a place where believers can come together in faith and believe that God's going to speak to us and God's going to meet us and God's going to deliver us and God's going to heal us and God's going to give us more rapturing faith and God's going to bless us just by being together. Right? All of those things are possible when we come together. When we commune with him in this place. And we've, we've separated by his instruction. We've separated this place and made it, we've severed it from the normal routine. We don't play bingo in here. Uh, we don't, uh, you know, eat in here. We don't do a lot of other things in here. Uh, we, we have a specific order of what we do in this place because it's a marked off spot. It's a place where we intend to meet with God. And this is the idea of God severing uh, Goshen in the land of Israel, and he says, I will be to the end of, uh, to the end thou may knowest that I'm the Lord in the midst of the earth, and I, I will do this thing, uh, among my people. We find that word in similar places here, but know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself, 
the Lord will hear when I call unto him. The Lord has set apart him that is godly. Him that is severed. He's separated himself from the world. Psalm 17, show thy marvelous kindness, loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee. From those that rise up against them. Read it again. Show thy marvelous loving kindness. This is David's prayer. O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee. From those that rise up against them. God is able to show his loving kindness to those who uh, put their trust in him. No matter what the enemy, no matter what form the enemy comes. Whether it's a disease or a virus or an army, it doesn't matter. O thou savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee. Also as well, Psalm 139, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God God carved out me and there is no other me. You should be thankful, folks, that there's no other me. There's only one. Just like we're thankful there's only one of you. You are uniquely made. You are are specific. You've been carved out uh, from the mind of God. And you are who you are. You are what you are because God made you that way. And this is the idea that uh, God's people are people who are separate because of their faith. They're separate because of their believing. We are separate because uh, of our or- origination. We come from God. And we're going to go to God. We'll eventually be there. Now, works as faith expressed. Brother Branham said, And Moses took this stick and he went down there and took that nation out of a nation. And when he came with a stick in his hand, he told Pharaoh, Let them go. And Pharaoh seen in Moses the works that he had, the, seen in Moses the works. That he had faith in what he was trying to do. He had faith in the promise of the, uh, of the God that had made the promise. And he went down to take it over. Now I need you to watch now the components here. How Brother Bram describes it. Pharaoh seen in Moses the works. So remember now the title here. Works is faith expressed. Your works is your faith expressed. Faith will always carry out what Revelation reveals. Like I told you before, right? When, when God reveals something to you, we pursue that or we carry that out in faith. And your works is your faith expressed. So if God gives you a revelation, by faith you're going to pursue that, and your works are evidence that that's the revelation I have. So for instance, if you've got a revelation that this message is true, and the Bible is true, and that we should assemble ourselves together, but you don't come to church, your works are contrary to the revelation you have. We got a disconnect, right? We got a problem. Or let's say you say that you're a believer and uh, you believe the Bible and you believe the message, but you don't pay your tithes. Pay your tithes when you when you feel like it's okay, or you feel like you got the money to pay your tithes. Your works are, are, are disconnected from the real faith that we should have in God's word, right? There's a consistency that God's looking for. But notice now what He says about Moses here. Pharaoh seen in Moses the works. That he had faith in what he was trying to do. Pharaoh saw Moses would never come in here unless he really meant what he said. And he had faith. Moses had faith in the promise of God that had made the promise. And he went down to take it over. If God said it, here we go. Come on, wife, pack up the kids and let's go. And no other man would have done that. And no other man could have done that. He was ordained to do that. So it's just not because he felt, wow, I read it in the Bible. I'm going to go do it. No, he was the man. He had the right promise, and he had the right purpose, but he also had the right timing. He had all of those things going for him together. God beforehand had told Abraham that's just what would happen. And when the time of the promise drew nigh, 
There was a little boy born, a fair child, and the parents, Amram and Jochebed, were not afraid of the king's commandment. See, there was something. The grounds was already prepared. So God was moving all of these factors together. He said, I hope I'm speaking to prepare ground tonight if that seed can fall in the right place. And if it won't, if it isn't, it won't happen. So it is not enough for us to say that, uh, you know, uh, I want to, I want to do a certain thing or I want to preach or whatever else. Hey, God has to line things up in your life. And he does. God, God takes care of preparing that ground. God takes care of preparing the circumstances. And Moses had the communion. You remember when he killed that Egyptian first and was going to deliver the children of Israel? He knew he was the deliverer. He was acting on the right promise or the right principle of getting the children of Israel out, but he didn't do it the right way. So even if you have the promise, and even if you have the commission, and even if you know that God made that promise to Abraham, you still got to submit yourself to God all the way along and let God do it in his time and in his way. And then we're acting on the promise. Now, let me give you another little statement here. Moses, his works, expressed faith in the promise of God that he believed. And Pharaoh, he couldn't see how Moses was going to do it, but he knew Moses believed that he, what he was talking about. And he shouldn't be standing, or he wouldn't be standing in the palace with a stick in his hand. Bite his stick, I'll take them out. An old man, 80 years old, not an athlete, an old man, stoop shoulders and whiskers hanging down, and gray hair, if he had any. I'm glad Brother Bram said that. And there with that stick in his hand saying, I'm going to take them out. Let my people go, thus saith the Lord. And if you don't do it, God's going to judge you. Was he afraid? No, he's absolutely not. And remember, he's commissioned by the, by the burning bush, right? And now's the time, you're the man, this is the promise. And God made that promise to Abraham. Moses is acting on that. But he's got, he's got the word from God that came out of the burning bush, and it's the right time, and he goes down and he performs the right thing. Hey, God absolutely brings it to pass. Anybody hearing me this morning? Why, just one arrow, one spear would have ended it. But he was fearless. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly where he was standing. And God told him, you will come to this mountain again. And he knew he was going there. Hallelujah. And we know we're going too at the end of this journey because God's promised. We know we're going too at the end of this journey because why? God's promised. Let me tell you folks, what, what we need to take away from this is that if God's made us a promise, and he has... We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, right? And there'll be a catching away of God's people. Do you believe that? That's a promise. We can point to it in the Bible. We can point to it clearly in the message of the hour. Absolutely, that's, that's what God has said to us. And he said, because we know where we're going to, we need to pray that God would give me the, the insight and by faith to be able to recognize the right time and the right season, to be able to walk through, even though circumstances might change pretty negatively around you, our faith in the promise doesn't diminish. We're not disillusioned by stuff that happens. We're not afraid of stuff that happens because Brother Branham said that Moses could be fearless because he had the right promise and he knew he was the man and now he had moved into that right channel of time. And he had no worries at all that this was going to come to pass. He absolutely did know that it was going to come to pass. And so therefore, God had promised there's a land beyond the river. Be fearless in your testimony. If it's revealed to you, you're fearless. You don't care if the whole world, what they say when it's revealed to you, that this is the truth coming from God. I'd say to Sister April there, going over to Ukraine, if that's something that I believe that God's laid on our heart to do and uh, God's called her to do, let me tell you, we should have no fear. 
We should have no fear, but press on and do what it is that God's called you to do. I don't care what your, what your calling is. I don't care what your position is I don't, in this church. I don't care what, uh, what, how you describe that. But if God's given you a commission as a mother or as a father, you should stand there and not be discouraged by circumstances around us, but press on. If it's revealed to you, Brother Bram said you're fearless. I remember a story that was told about a little boy that lived in Florida. This was a true story that happened a little while ago. And uh, he was, it was one of those real hot days in Florida. And uh, they had a little pond out behind the back of their house. And uh, she, uh, this, this little boy came home from school. And it was quite normal for them to jump in the, in the pond and just cool off because it's Florida. And then come back inside the house. And I mean, it was a normal thing that he did. And... Uh, this day he came back from school, dropped his books in the driveway, just kept running, didn't go in the house, but just kept running. His mother happened to see him out the window, and he runs off the back dock and just, you know, dives in, swims about halfway out there. And the mother, as she's looking out at him out there, and this is not abnormal at all, but as the mother's looking out there, she sees a gator slide down into the water. And so she runs down to the dock and she yells out to her little boy, he's about 12 years old, runs out and starts hollering at him to get back to shore, there's a gator in the water. Well, I mean, you know, you've seen enough pictures of the animals crossing the rivers, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so this little boy, he begins to swim towards the dock and he's coming back in. And just as he gets back to the dock and he reaches out and grabs the mother's hand like this, uh, that gator latches onto his foot and holds on. And gators are real strong, and he was able to, you know, uh, attempt to pull them back into the water there. And so this tug of war went on, and the, and the boy's screaming, and the mother's screaming, and the gator's uh, kicking with all of his strength to try to get that boy back. He's got his teeth clamped around that boy's leg, and that mother's holding on uh, to that little guy, to both of his wrists there, and she's leaning back and screaming. Well, a farmer goes by uh, the road in his truck. And he hears the screaming and he jumps out, takes his gun with him. Naturally, every, every red-blooded man has a gun. So uh, he jumps out of his truck, goes down, and he sees the situation, shoots the gator, and the gator lets go and slides off into the water. Well, the boy's all cut up, you know, because of the gator and goes into the hospital. And a reporter went about a week later to try to talk to the boy. They didn't want to talk to him first, but uh, he was ready to talk about it a little bit later on. And, and uh, he was talking about the ex- whole experience. And he didn't lose his foot. It was just all mangled up. And uh, so they were, had done some surgical repairs. And uh, the, the surgeon or the reporter said, uh, if you don't mind, are we able to look at uh, the scars on your foot, you know? And uh, we, we want to take a picture, imagine. And uh, so he, he said, sure. He said, no problem at all. Rolled up, pulled back the bed sheets and showed him the, the picture. But he said, hey, those are not the great scars. He said, that's not what I'm proud of. What I'm proud of is the scars right here. And he rolled down his sleeves and he said, these are the scars where my mother held me and wouldn't let go. And she dug in so tight, she made scars on his wrist. And he said, these are the exciting scars. These are the ones I'm proud of. And you know what that is? That's a a definition of endurance. That's a definition of determination. That's exactly what that is. Because that mother wouldn't let go of that child. She wouldn't let go of that responsibility that she had for that child, that love for that child, and didn't plan it that way, but grabbed on so hard she was able to wrestle against the gator and pull that uh, little boy eventually right out of the water here. That's why Brother Bram said that God's, God's promise, there's a land beyond the river, and be fearless in your testimony. And if it's revealed to you, you are fearless. You don't care what the world says. You don't care what other people do. You're fearless about it because you know that God has made a promise, and I have faith in that, right? 
Let me tell you, there's sometimes when God will fix things, but there's times when God wants to work through you. And you need to be ready when that happens. You need to be ready when God decides to do that. So uh, David writes again, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come against me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. And though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. And this one thing will I be confident. So David knew where his rest was. He knew where his confidence lay. He knew what he had his his eyes of faith focused on. And it was not in the circumstance, but it was in the promises that God had made. All I wanted to do is tell you that today. That might seem really ultra simple, and you're wondering, well, when's he going to get to the point? You just heard the point. That is the point. That a lot of times we look, well, God's got to do this, and God's got to show me something great and complex. It's got to be a new thing. Hey, listen. This is exactly what what was the key to David's success. He says, when my enemies came against me, they stumbled and fell. And no one host encamped against me. He says, my heart shall not fear. Why? Because David already had a communion with God. And he he communed with God every day to the point where he knew what God's promises were. And he he wasn't afraid. The war should rise against me. Now, let me tell you how strong these promises are. Here's a great example. Brother Manum had this woman who was dying in a hospital in Jeffersonville, and brother and sister Woods were there in that same room. They knew, they all knew this uh, lady who was dying. And uh, they called Brother Bram to come and pray. So he goes in to pray. The Woodses are right there, and the nurse is there, and this woman is dying. Goes into the room, and he kneels down, and he says, I want to speak to the woman alone. So everybody went out of the room. And I go into the room and pray with the woman, and while in the room, I thought, oh God, if you'll just show me a vision of what's going to happen to the woman. Listen now to what he says. And Mr. and Mrs. Wood were sitting on the outside waiting to see what the vision would say. But while I was there, now he hasn't said anything. He's just thinking this. But while I was there, I got condemned. I was condemned by waiting for a vision. Seemed like something referred back and said this. That wasn't your calling. What do you need a vision when the promise has already been said? This is God dealing with a prophet now. Why do you need a vision when the promise is already there? So I knelt down and prayed. And while praying, something just answered on the inside, the faith of the promise. And come back out and Mr. Wood, when I, when Mr. and Ms. Wood, when I told him about it, did you see anything, Brother Branham? And I said, I never exactly saw anything, but I felt something that told me that his promise was true. And he was going to do it. And I believe that he's going to do it. And in less than 24 hours, the end of that cancer began to break away. Scab formed over it and so forth. He said, so there it was now. The woman is healed and home. What a wonderful Christ by keeping our eyes on the prophet. No, by keeping our eyes on the promise. So the war should encamp around about me. I will not fear. Now, you know, a lot of you have come to the place this morning where you managed to say amen to that, and I, I did too. I mean, I, I, I just love those promises. I love those, I love those little examples, and I want to build on that because it's a great study. But this week, I felt like I had stepped into, just momentarily, I'd stepped into the book of Acts. I really did. I felt like I'd stepped into an atmosphere where these people were living their faith in a, in a way that I had not seen before. Uh, among these people over there. And I've traveled in that part of the world many, many years. And, uh, you know, just 
how, how the, uh, there was an anointing. Not, not, they were all in different circumstances. Uh, one lady here married an unbeliever. And so her story, her circumstance was quite different than the others. Um, the, the one, one of these sisters here was not married. She was a, uh, she was a single sister. And she lived in Poland for many years. And in order to stay in Poland, she had to renew her visa every two years. And so in January, right around January, she went back to Ukraine to apply for another visa to be renewed to go back to Poland. She had a job, and she worked at a chocolate factory. I said, do you realize how quickly you'd be instantly famous if you came to North America? People, I said, already people love you because you work in a chocolate factory. She said, it's just down the road. I was hoping she'd say, I'll take you there if you want. But she, she had a job. She worked. She had an apartment. We were in her apartment, and, and she'd already worked there. But she went back to get her visa renewed and was trapped by the war. And her father also worked in Poland with her, and he had applied a few days later for his visa than her. And so when the war started, she got her visa in the mail, and she was able to leave, but she couldn't leave because of the shelling uh, that was going on. But, her, but when the war started, all mail stopped in the country. So they have no idea where his visa is. He's trapped in the country, doesn't have a visa to get out. So all of their stories were quite different. But it was, it was moving to hear what they wanted you to know about their circumstance. And I thought, well, you know, we need to give them shoes and blankets and, uh, you know, all kinds of things like that. But that's not what they were interested in. They were not. They were not focused on that. Jeremy will tell you, they were not saying, what, what did you bring for me? They weren't saying that. They weren't saying, uh, you know, uh, is that all the stuff you brought? It wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't on their mind at all. What, what, what on, was on their mind was, we are very thankful for how God looked after us. And God protected us. And we want you to be encouraged by our experience that God will watch over you. And that was their message to us. And it was just really moving to, uh, to hear that. And this was the first sister that we, uh, that we interviewed with her 14-year-old daughter, Lily. And uh, I, I just wanted to say this, that in, in doing the documentary, we were trying to, in, in getting footage for the documentary, we were trying to also keep in mind the, the kids and the young people. And I will say to you that these kids were pretty traumatized by this whole thing because especially the younger they were, they were very nervous and they were acting out that nervousness and they didn't really understand why their fathers were not there. Uh, this is very strange. Everything is strange. Strange language, strange country, strange food, strange everything. And uh, this, is, this is pretty unusual. So for the parents, they had, a better, they had a little bit more peace about them, but the children did not. And, you know, somebody who's been around and seen people in traumatic situations or come through them, uh, they have certain actions that uh, you can identify pretty easily and with the children. So we didn't get much time to spend with the children. Um, just, there's only a couple of minutes here. Turn around. Uh, well, what we're waiting for, uh, you know, when he was still on his way bringing us food and things, uh, we were still in distress, you know. We, were, we had a, a battle uh, uh, in the mind, you know. If you can. What she's t- is t- it's a bit bassy here, but what she's telling about is when they left home, and they could not describe the moment they left their husband and father. They was too, way too emotional. They couldn't say the words. Uh, but they're telling now when they left home with just a bag on their back. And I said to her, 
what did you actually bring? Tell me what you brought with you when you went. And she went like this. She said, with this sweater, brown sweater, she said, I brought this. And she said, for the children, what they wore and one other change of clothes. And that's all they brought. And so she wore this outfit every time we saw her. That was the outfit that she had. didn't matter to her, but this, this was what she had. But they're telling now the story of how when they left home, they had Ukrainian money, but it really was not any good. It was worthless. And all the trains were filled by now. So they had real trouble getting on a train. And they were sitting down by the side of the road. And she's telling what's happening. Go ahead. When we uh, told, uh, we said goodbye to our father. And I started crying and so And then when we were waiting like that, it, it was even more stressful, you know. And a certain Christian approached us from Germany. We just were sitting there and he just approached my sister. And he started talking and he says, are you Christians? He said, we're Christians and we help people, we come from Germany. Yeah, we help people from Ukraine, you know. So he sat down to talk to us like that. And then he, said, he told us, God will take care of all these things. Right? And that oh, everything is in God's hands. And we said, Amen, and that, you know, He didn't know us at all. That was very kind of him just to approach us like that. And just to talk to us. They're all angels. That's what I said. So let me ask you. So this Pentecostal man, Christian man, walks up to them and says, You're Christians, aren't you? And they said, Yeah. And he said, what are you trying to do? And they said, we're trying to go out to the West and go to Poland. And uh, he said, well, he says, you know, God will look after that. And they, he said, how much does it cost to get on the train? And she, by this time, the prices had risen to 350 euros to get on the train with her family. They had only a few dollars in Ukrainian currency. And so that's why they were sitting by the side of the road. They had no idea how they were going to do it. The man hauls out 350 euros and gives it to him, buys the ticket for him, and hands him the ticket to go a portion of the journey. When they get to that portion of the journey, it happens again. Another different man walks up to them and buys a train ticket for them, and they get all the way to the border of Poland. When they got to the border of Poland, then the believers came with a vehicle and picked them up on that side, and now they're over there. That's just one of the stories. <clears throat> so here they are trying to pick up life. And this is a young boy. This boy was quite troubled. He's very, very silent. And uh, I didn't get much time to chat with him, and I didn't want to make real buddies with him because then I would be gone. But uh, she's doing a Bible study with him, like homeschooling, this, this little boy on the couch there. And they're living in the fellowship hall of the church right at the moment. That's where, that's where they are. And uh, this is our second sister. She had four children, four boys under six years old. And uh, let me tell you, they were all boy. They were all boy. And uh, she, she tells a story. At the end of the interview, she went to one of the Russian brothers there who were with us. There was about five or six of us who were traveling around. And uh, she went to one of the Russian brothers and she said, 
I hope, I hope I didn't say anything wrong. I hope I didn't say anything bad, or I hope I didn't say anything out of the way. She was apologetic uh, for her story. Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah. We can do it. Еще что? Я, ну хоть такое, как у меня на сердце, что в это время, ну просто понимаешь, насколько близко мы пришествию Господа к восхищению. Да, когда это просто все пережило, эти все события, все, все это земное, что ты собирал на этой земле, оно теряет просто такую ценность и важность. Ты просто чувствуешь, что ты нуждаясь сегодня в Господе, как никогда раньше. Да, эти все обстоятельства, эти события, они просто... Ну, ты смотришь по-другому. Да, ты смотришь по-другому и... И... You just have to be solid in faith, stand in faith, and cast everything aside. Everything else aside. So you look at your possessions differently. This sister is the single sister who works in the chocolate factory. Uh, I invited her over. But she, she said, uh, she talks a little bit at night, uh, or she talks a little bit about what it was like at night, because the bombing raids always happened at the beginning. When so once it got dark, started to get dark, that's when the bombing raids would come. And she, describes, she described to us in detail how that uh, she woke up one night, and it was like a plane was flying really low over her house. I mean, it was like the sounds... We have jets all the time up our, our, our way, and they, they fly real low. And, I mean, it's just such a terrifying sound. And she said, we woke up hearing that one night. And then we, then we heard the next day that those were not planes. Those were guided missiles flying right over the top of their house. And they were just skimming the treetops going across the house. And that's what, that's what woke her up. So let's just a few minutes here. Uh, the worst time was at night. Mm-hmm. Почему? Что было ночью? И одной ночью мы думали, я проснулась от ужасного звука, мы думали, что это самолет пролетает между возле нашего дома. And one night I just woke up because of the terrible noise. That was right over our heads, uh, over our house. It seemed like the airplane was flying right mm-hmm. above us. No. Seemed like it was an airplane. No. But then we found out it was a missile. Wow! You know, and because of good low, you know. Uh, and then Ukrainian forces uh, hit it. You know, they hit it down. Yes. That missile. Yeah. I'd like to say God was so gracious uh, all this time. And we could see angels were surrounding our house too. And they were keeping us safe in those situations. Mm. 
Sorry, I didn't realize she was telling you that story that, in, in that little clip. So uh, as, as, as you're listening to these people and get to know them a little bit and I, you know what, what they're going through and their families are experiencing, this scripture came to mind in Hebrews uh, 11.38, of whom the world was not worthy. Uh, these, these are people who I believe that, uh, you know, God had his eye on and, uh, you know, has just brought them through this experience stronger. And, uh, they were, they were just, uh, to me, real examples of, uh, true faith. This is, uh, one of the services there. And, um, I don't know whether we can, uh, get back to the, this is at the end of the service. Uh, I was just preaching to them and they just uh be, i said let's pray and they all came to their feet and they were all just praying uh, will that work shabila no doesn't doesn't click but this was brother zalish's church and uh, we had a wonderful time of fellowship in there uh with them as well all right let's move on and uh just wanted to show you a couple of pictures here and then it was leaving time and uh we got to say goodbye to all the folks that were there now, the other part of the trip was dealing with the people who are helping people in Ukraine. And um, these are just some of the local brothers uh, there. This is the local pastor, Brother Yatsik, who's there, and Brother Zalish, uh, who lives there in Czech Republic. And I, I got to preach in both of their churches there. And we were able to sit down and be able to share. Uh, they were able to share with me how they are working with those people. Some of these people who are at the table are former Ukrainians who now live in Poland or Czech Republic. And you, you just need to think about it this way. One of the things I learned was that this. If, if, my, if, if my wife was put out of the country and she was in Canada and she knew that I was in imminent danger here in the U.S., she would be finding creative ways to get support or supplies to me, wouldn't she? She would. She better. I mean, she would. <laughs> she would. I know she would. And, and vice versa. If I knew that she was left here and I was, uh, you know, I was in a separate, I'd, I'd be making sure that she'd be looked after. So the best people to learn from as to how to channel stuff into, into their families and into the ministers in there was from the Ukrainian people themselves. They had all kinds of creative little uh, phone apps that they used, and we'd probably never use them here. They're, you know, it, would, it probably wouldn't even work from here. But they had all these little channels that they were using to send funds over on a regular basis there. And I thought, duh, well, that's what we need to know. How, who's doing that, and who's doing it successfully, and how do we know that it's getting there? And would it be all right if we channel funds through the pastor to give to these folks that are sending money over to their families there. And then the other thing that they're actually doing, because they're not far from the border of Ukraine at all, they're still able to go over into the country. So they physically, I gave them uh, supplies. As a matter of fact, I was so moved by their stories, I had a little suitcase. I bought a little suitcase to give to one of the brothers over there and his wife in, in an area where there's believers gathered. And uh, I, it was just a little small one, but I was so moved by that, and I had brought them over some computer equipment, uh, iPads and things. IPa iPads actually work better than phones in that part of the world. And uh, brought that over for them. And um, I, I went through all of my belongings. I went through everything that I had brought with me to put in that suitcase everything I could. 
Because I could always replace it. But whatever, lotions, toothpaste, anything that was unopened, anything I could, I just stuffed it in that bag and, and gave it to Brother Roman uh, so that he could take it over and uh, deliver it to the people, hand deliver it. So they're still able to get across and hand deliver stuff into the believers over there. Uh, so this is just some of this time that we spent meeting uh, with the believers. This is Brother Eugene, who's over in Ukraine. He's in uh, one of the cities there, and him and his wife were making bread. They bought enough flour to make bread. So he took a, snapped a selfie there. Uh, so that's actually in Ukraine. So these are just some of the brothers who are working and helping out. Now, this is Brother Roman. And uh, Roman Mazur, uh, his brother is Daniel Mazur. Daniel's been here before with Brother Peter Snagon when he came, and Daniel translated for him. And uh, Roman is one of those guys, if you're going to have a church and you need a deacon, Roman's the guy. Matter of fact, it'd be worth giving, you know, uh, he's he's quite a guy. He's really quite a fellow. Fearless. And he's the one I gave the suitcase to. And uh, I told him, I said, you, you know, when you go over there, make sure you take pictures. And uh, if you need more supplies to take over, we'll send them to him and uh, let him take take stuff in for the people there. He's just uh, just really a tremendous brother. While we were sitting around the table, they were contacting brothers on their phones, and they were FaceTiming with people who were trapped in Ukraine in some of the bombarded areas. And this is one of the ministers that I had met with in September when I was over there. And so we were able to converse, and I was able to find out what they need and what's working, how can we help, and uh, do all kinds of things like that. So it was really great to be able to have that uh, in-person, on-hand connection with them and to be able to, uh, you know, just be able to touch it and, and figure out what's best. So... I changed some of the ways that we're helping out with the people over there, and uh, it's just uh, just already proving to be a blessing. Uh, so in, in, my, uh, in my journey, there are more believers who live in Romania than there are in Poland. There's all kinds of churches in Romania. There's a new one in Hungary that they invited me to go to, but there's a whole bunch in, in Romania. And uh, when I went to Holland, and this is Brother Rap Crook's father-in-law, the older gentleman here, Brother Ab. Uh, and it was at his church that I went to speak, and he held a little fellowship for uh, this issue on Ukraine, and I, pre- I preached, I gave a little testimony there. And uh, in, lo and behold, in the church that night shows up this brother from Romania, Brother Alex, right here. And he and his wife and his daughter, uh, they put me in contact, because I don't know, personally know anybody in Romania, but he gave me the name of his pastor and uh, connection. He said, yeah, they're helping out people who are refugees over there and doing all kinds of things for people. So that was the missing part that I never had, being over there. And God allowed him to walk into church that night for uh, for us to be able to get his name and information. So I was, I was excited about that. And so we, we spent some time talking and discussing um, about, uh, you know, the the best ways to help, as I said, and uh, been able to do that. This is, uh, and this is the last picture I'm going to show you here. Uh, this is just some of the brothers in Poland. This is Brother Guido uh, Vanabrand's son, uh, Joshua. Some of you know Brother Guido. Passed away a year or two ago. And a great missionary over in that part of the world. And uh, was able to connect with some of these brothers I hadn't seen for a good while. So uh, every day was filled with meetings like this. It was like from, we started in the morning and did it until we went to bed at night. Uh, had some brothers who checked in at a hotel. Uh, that I was staying at in one in one place so they could wake up and have breakfast with me in the morning. And not that I'm that important, but they wanted to make sure that they got the time with me. And so we arranged to have a breakfast meeting, and uh, it was really nice to be able to, uh, 
you know, discuss things with those brothers one-on-one. So, but that's the way our whole week went. It was just filled with information like that. So what, what I, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, fill all of our time in our meetings with, uh, with just information about this situation. But it is a, obviously a concern. It, it affects us because they're a part of the body of Christ and we want to do what we can. I'm thankful that we have our website so functional, so we're putting things up there, and you're welcome to go and take a look at that, and I'd encourage you to do that because most of the information we have is there. Um, And as we progress, we'll uh, certainly do updates as as, uh, needed to send out to you there, but I just wanted to say I appreciate uh, the support of uh, the church here and wouldn't be able to do what I do unless we work together. Uh, in efforts like this and being able to supply for uh, the people over there. You may never meet them. You never, may never meet these sisters. You may never get to shake their hand here. But I guarantee you they're very appreciative of all that's done. And uh, I think, uh, you know, just based on their stories, I, I just feel like they're stronger for having come through these experiences for sure. They were not shy at all about talking about their faith. I, I don't know whether, you know, pressures and persecutions like this and displacement is what's needed to bring out stronger faith in us? I, I don't know. But I know that through their experience, if you're a real believer, uh, no matter what you go through, you're going to come through that whole experience trusting God even more. That's for sure. And I think sometimes it isn't the fact that the Bible needs to change or your revelation needs to change. As a matter of fact, I would say that God's done a great job of putting all the ingredients in our lap. Wouldn't you agree that we, we, we've got everything Brother Branham said. We've got all what the Scripture says. We have great resources. We have all the ingredients to make a good cake. I think sometimes we just need to be thinking differently about what we have. And I'm not, I don't want you to feel, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just saying that they went through things that made them think differently about life and about God and about their whole experience. They were not shaking their fist at God. They were not angry. Uh, there were people who were at peace because they felt like, you know, God was in the whole thing. And I, I, you know, we certainly want to hold Sister April up in prayer and uh, that God would have his hand upon her. I believe that he will. And uh, to be able to help the people in whatever way she can and bring her expertise uh, to, that, uh, to that place. And let me tell you, there's lots of, lots of stories that I've heard of, you know, things that, that go on on the Ukraine side that are difficult for people who are in, in the struggle and in the battle. And uh, the people that lived in Mariupol, uh, all the believers are out. They don't, they don't really know how it happened because the city was entirely ringed by Russian forces and being bombarded. But the believers who were there, and there was only a few left, but they got out. And they're in another place, and they're on their way to another place now. So uh, they're out, and we're thankful for that. Because they say it's just a place of ruins now. Uh, there's really nothing left. But I don't know. I, I, when it comes to the subject of faith, I want to I explore it a little bit. I, I, I want to I study it a little bit and, and talk about some of the things that it means to me. And I trust that in some way it will help you and uh, strengthen your faith. I, I don't know what we'll go through in the end. Uh, before this is all over. I don't know what we as a people will have to go through. I have no idea. But I just know this, that God knows how to deal with all of our hearts to be ready to cross over. That's what I believe is true. And I doubt if we'll ever experience a, a catastrophe like this, because they live next door to Russia, 
we don't live next door to China. But I don't know. God has God's pretty smart. And God's got lots of resources. And I just know this, that in the time we have remaining, like this, we should appropriate or gather everything we can because we can listen to the word in peace. We can listen to it without interruption. We can listen to it in comfort. We don't have to gather by phone. We don't have to gather in basements. We don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. Uh, God's been pretty good to us in this country, and I'm thankful for that. Thankful for air conditioning. But I know that God has ways of helping us think more perfectly about the kingdom and about where we're going because we're human beings and we become accustomed to things that we have and and we expect them then. And God does never want you to be a know-it-all. He wants you to have wisdom with meekness. And wisdom with meekness is a combination that isn't going to go away. God wants us to have that. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come if they will. And I'd like to pray with you. Let me leave you with a little statement Brother Bram says about Moses. He said when he was old and death was staring him in the face, how would he ever bring forth the resurrection, wondering how all of this would come to pass? But just as a crucial moment came, God provided a way. And when breath was leaving his body, he looked, laying by his side, and he said, there stood the rock. God provided a rock, and the rock was Christ who was in the wilderness. And Moses endured to the rock. God, give me grace to endure to the same thing. And when my last breath is being drawn from this body, let me see the rock standing there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we end this service, Lord, and we think about the the great subject of faith, Lord, and the promises of God and how that we are as believers to anchor our our faith, Lord, in those promises and believe that you've said specific things about our time, our day, and our, our destiny, Lord. And, and I believe that as we, uh, as we come to that place, Lord, in the end of time, Lord, I, I believe you're trying to maybe refocus our view just to get us, Lord, to be uh, thinking about things in the right way, a way that pleases you. And Lord, our thoughts should not be wrapped up in attainments in this world. They should not be wrapped up in just simple pleasures, although nothing wrong with any of those things. But, Lord, we want to have our sights fixed on the promises of God. We want to have our faith anchored right there. You've made a promise to the bride that we shall not sleep. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Lord, I pray you'd bring us to that day. Bring us to that rock. Bring us to that place. And Lord, we'll give you thanks and praise. And we'll give you honor and glory because you deserve it all. I thank you, Lord, for safety and traveling, getting back, uh, Lord, with Brother Jeremy and watching after my wife and family, Lord, and the church. And I'm so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you're, you're one who cares about all of our concerns. And we don't want to just let that pass by, but Lord, we want to thank you for that. That's how we prayed. Lord, we just commit the people now into your hands. And, Lord, we can't help but think of these families over there that are going through great turmoil and wondering if they'll ever see their father again. We pray for them and ask, Lord, that you'd be merciful and gracious to them. 
have your way. Help, help us to help those who are in need. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, yes, nearer, blessed Lord, to Thy thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate Thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine, and let my soul look up, steadfast hope in Thy. So draw me nearer, yes, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, oh, nearer, blessed Lord, to As we sang that second verse, I was just thinking at the end of this, I was going to call for Sister April to come up. I wanted to pray with her uh, before she goes. So if we could have our deacons come on up here, and uh, we'll lay hands on Sister April. And maybe we could sing this first. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. And that's what Sister April's desire uh, is to do. And I believe that uh, God's trained her for uh, this kind of a thing. And I believe she'd be a great blessing uh, to be able to go over there and to be able to help people, especially people in such medical uh, catastrophes, and uh, we're, we're just asking that God would have his hand upon her. So let's sing it one more time, and then pray with me. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the
service here. I'd like to say this. I'd like to add this part in here too and say that Annie, I enjoyed that song this morning. I enjoyed that. I know where she is. Yes. I have a maker and he formed my heart before even time today. Let's just sing it now. Oh, he knows my name. And he knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. Hears me Sing that again now. He knows my name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He knows my name. Yes, he does. And he knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. Hears me when. I call majesty. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we leave this place today, Lord, we are reminded, Lord, of your favor in our lives. Why you chose us, Lord, for this hour and why you chose us to live where we live and and to have the resources we have. Lord, that was your decision, not ours. But we want to be great stewards over our time and all you place within our hand. Lord Jesus, we just want to say we love you and thank you. Bless our assembly, Lord. I pray that uh, we could be a light in this dark world. And Lord, you'd use us for your glory among the 
people of this earth. Until we leave, Lord, may you be able to channel yourself through our transformed mind to reflect a little bit of the kingdom to this world. Have your way, we pray, Lord. Until we meet again, in Jesus' name, amen. Sing this as you go this morning. May God bless you. Majesty, worship his majesty. verse again now. So exalt, lift up. Magnify, glorify Christ Jesus the who died now glorified King of all